Have you ever played the spiritual comparison game? Yeah, I might read a verse or two every day, but I'm not like Rhonda. She's read the Bible 32 times. Or, if only I could draw like Laura. She makes the most beautiful artwork in her journaling Bible. I'm sure I'd feel closer to God if I could do that. We're constantly comparing ourselves to other people, whether it's how we look, how clean our houses are, and yes, even how spiritual our time with Jesus is. But the truth is, God created each of us differently, and He delights in connecting with us in creative ways. There is no one-size-fits-all quiet time formula prescribed in the Bible. We're not told we need to spend 30 minutes reading the Bible and 30 minutes praying. We're not told that morning devotions are better than evening devotions or lunchtime devotions or even sit-in-the-carpool line devotions. God is after our hearts, not our checklists. He wants us to seek Him, and that's going to look different for you than it does for me, than it did for our grandmas, and than it will for our great-great-grandchildren. We find joy in Jesus by spending time in His Word and embracing the intimate ways He created us to worship Him. Whether that's meditating on scripture while walking in the park or singing his praises at a worship event, there are so many ways we can engage the Bible. No more waiting for the perfect time and place. God wants us to come as we are. He promises us, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Whatever that time with Jesus looks like for you in this season of life, Seek Him. Make time in His Word. You're one thing alone. Well, I guess I'm not a wholly terrible mom if my kids made it in the video. So, um, those that was Carissa and Amelia when they were little, little, and some of you might have caught that I was pregnant with Theo at the time. Um, so that video is a bit old, but that has been the heartbeat of our ministry for the past eight years now, is to invite women and men and children, uh, but primarily women, to enjoy Jesus through creative Bible habits. Now last week we talked about Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, and this week, I want to look at another of Jesus' invitations. This one is in John chapter 15. Um, and many of you, if you've spent time in church, you'll be familiar with this passage. Um, this is where Jesus talks about him being the vine and us being the branches and how we get to abide in him. In verse 4 of John 15, he says, Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me, unless you abide in me, unless you rest in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. And what I found interesting when I studied these two passages side by side is that there's a connection between Jesus' invitation to rest in him and his invitation to remain in him in that the, the Greek words are very similar to each other. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce them, uh, but the word for rest that Jesus uses in Matthew 11 is to remain, to refresh, to keep quiet, 
and calm, to wait in patient expectation. I mean, those of you who've been here last week, you know that's what we talked about, about Jesus' invitation to rest in him. And here in this passage, the the word that's used to remain um, means to stay, to abide, to dwell, and to be present. And so notice the similarities that when, when I read this passage, I used to think that the command was bear fruit. Like Jesus is telling us, if you are my disciple, you will bear fruit. But Jesus' command here is not to bear fruit. What is his command? Look at it. It's right up there. It's remain. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. It's a consequence of remaining in him. The fruit of a Christian life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It is not a checklist of our spiritual life. It is the fruit of being with Jesus. When we remain with him, when we rest with him, when we spend time with him, Jesus himself is love. Jesus is joy. Jesus is our peace. And so as we spend time with him, we won't help but emanate his character. (laughs) Um, My daughter, my eight-year-old, just uh, two weeks ago, started saying just the oddest thing. Um, When she'd get frustrated by something or when something didn't go this way, like, Mom, can we have ice cream? And it's like 11 a.m. No, you cannot. Uh, Her response is, oh, biscuits. (laughs) Where did you even hear this? Uh, But apparently it was on, like, a children's show that they watched at Grandma's. And so all day long, whatever didn't go her way, her response was, oh, biscuits. Um, (laughs) It's the humorous thing. Uh, But the next day, my six-year-old started saying the same thing. Oh, biscuits. And then my four-year-old is saying it, too. And I'm like, guys, do you even know what biscuits are? Like, (laughs) why? why? And I guess it's it's a good alternative to what they could be saying. Um, But it's just so funny to me that when you put people together, when you spend time with someone, their mannerisms rub off on you, right? The phrases that they use, you start picking them up. And so it is with Jesus. He invites us to spend time with him, to have him rub off on us. His invitation is to remain in him, remain in me, as I also remain in you. And when you do, you will bear fruit. And so notice what a a relief it is that Jesus does not put a heavy burden on us, but rather his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Now, I grew up in a Christian family, and I'm so grateful for the legacy of faith that has been handed down to me. But one of the things that, uh, one of the songs we used to sing in children's church uh, goes like this. Read your Bible, pray every day. Anyone? Pray every day, pray every day. Um, Yeah, read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. And I agree, like, those, those spiritual rhythms are crucial to our spiritual growth. But somehow in my child brain, it became like, oh, this is what God expects of me. 
And so if a day goes by and I haven't read my Bible, he must be so disappointed with me. And if five days go by and I haven't read my Bible, then how dare I show my face? He won't want to spend time with me. He must have turned his back on me because we experience that dynamic in human relationships. When we disappoint people we love, there can be a distance, but it is not so with God. As in that video, God's invitation is, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. And that's God's promise. And so what we're left with is to look at, okay, what are the obstacles then? If Jesus' invitation is to remain in him, if he invites us to come to him, to be with him, to rest in him, then what gets in the way? And I don't know about you, but one of the most common excuses that I've used is that I just don't have time. Like, I would love to read my Bible and pray every day. <laughs> I would love to do a 60-minute inductive study in the book of Ezekiel every day. <laughs> I would love to pull out concordances and do Greek word studies. But I've got kids at home. I have a job. I need to cook three times a day. I have all the things that need to happen. And somehow, these great spiritual rhythms fall at the bottom of my priority. And they just don't happen because I feel like I'm too busy. Can anyone relate to that? A few nods. Anyone else? <laughs> this is such a common struggle. In fact, um, whenever I, I invite women on this journey with me and, and we go through an email sequence together, I ask, what's your number one struggle when it comes to your spiritual life? And the number one thing is consistency. Like, I'll be okay for a few days, maybe a few weeks, but I'm just not consistent. And so if that's you here tonight, one, I want you to know that you are not alone. Uh, I would venture to say the majority of us here have struggled with that at one time or another, and many of us are struggling with that now. And also, I want you to know that there is hope. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So Jesus' invitation um, is one toward joy. And he says, I have told you these things so that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be complete. Notice again his heart of love, his heart of generosity and abundance. He wants us to enjoy him. And if you've been in a relationship with a special someone, if you're married, if you have children, if you just have a really good best friend, uh, you know that that relationship is not built on obligation. It is built on enjoyment and trust and delight and time spent together. And so that is what Jesus invites us into. Now, there's, a, there's this Corey Ten Boom quote um, that says, Don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A woman is powerful on her knees. And some of you will hear this and say, yes, that is exactly right. I have experienced that in my life, and I needed that reminder. And some of you will hear this and think, I'm such a failure. I'm never going to be consistent in prayer or reading my Bible. It's just hopeless. And some of you hear that and think, gosh, this whole spiritual disciplines thing, it just sounds so boring and legalistic. It's not for me. And so 
regardless of which of those reactions you might be, um, again, I just want to come back to this heart of joy and blessing. That that is the God that in that we serve, he invites us into relationship, not because we have to, but because we get to. And this is not just in the New Testament, this is in the Old Testament as well. Um, and we see this, this theme of rhythms in Deuteronomy 6. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but notice, I, again, this is a very familiar passage to us. But notice in that second paragraph where Moses tells the Israelites to be teaching these things to their children when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hand, bind them on your forehead, put them on the door frames of your houses. And one of the things I love about this is that um, it is so creative. There's so much creativity here and freedom. I don't think this is an exhaustive list. I think this is a, an invitation to say, do this all the time. Do it in as many ways as you can. And we'll be talking about... Um, just so much more about how it can be enjoyable as well. But before we do that, one more thing, uh, because I am kind of a, a geek at heart, <laughs> uh, and I love to research and learn things, and over the past 10 years, I have been delving into this field of um, neuroscience and brain like how our brains form new habits, and there's been a lot written about this. Um, and I'm not going to, like try to explain all of this, <laughs> but I found this online, and one of the things that is so encouraging to me is that God created our brains to grow and to change, and so in different seasons of life, um, we can change and break bad habits, and we can form new habits. Now, in my own life, when I was um, a teenager, we were missionaries in Romania, and there was a season where I was homeschooled, and we did ministry full-time, and I was helping lead um, worship at our church plant. In fact, that's where um, my beau and I spent a lot of quality time together going over guitar chords, and he would teach me how to play something, and he would gingerly place my fingers on the fretboard just so. <laughs> um, and, and that was fun that we got to do that together. But in that season, I had all the time in the world to sit and read. That's where God stirred in my heart a hunger for his word. That's where I learned to use a concordance. Uh, that's where I could spend as much time as I wanted singing worship songs. Uh, not a care in the world as a 17-year-old. And came back to the States, went to college, got really busy with schoolwork, with college courses, with a job, with friends. Fast forward, got married, had kids. And all of a sudden, those hours and hours of spending time in scripture and prayer, it felt like such a distant dream. And I felt like, God, am I ever going to experience intimacy with you again the way I did back then? Because I want that. I want that sweet fellowship with you. And this is why this is good news. It's because God has wired our brains to be able to create new synaptic connections to form new habits for every new season of life. And so if you are in a transition season or if you are headed into one or just came out of one, if you've switched jobs or schedules 
or if there's a change in, in your living situation. I mean, how many of us are moms here? We're coming out of summer mode into school season, right? And that's a shift in, in our schedule. Um, and, and that is good news for us because we then get to change how we meet with God. And I don't know about you, but like that, that kind of fresh new way to approach him and to be with him can be such a sweet time of fellowship. So as we make these changes, um, this is one of the ways that I'm convinced that the spirit of God works in our hearts. It's with spending time with him. Um, but the less you do something, the, the weaker that activation is. And so it won't change things. The more frequently you do things, it connects that. And so it, it will make it easier over time. Okay, so that was all like kind of boring, sciencey stuff. I apologize. Let's get into some of the practical. Okay, anyone ready for that? Yes, okay. <laughs> the glazed look in your eyes tells me I lost some of you. Okay, so if we want to start an enjoyable time with Jesus through creative Bible habits, the number one thing that we learn from brain science is that we have to start small. Now, I don't know about you, um, but every New Year's, um, there's this tendency to start a new resolution that this is the year I'm going to read through the Bible. Anyone? Anyone? I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year. And tell me, how far do you get? Deuteronomy? Leviticus? Somewhere there. <laughs> um, and, and so what we're discovering from the ways that God created our brains is that actually it's better for us to start small. It's better for us to make a commitment to spend two minutes reading God's word every day than it is to say, oh no, I'm going to read for 20 minutes or for two hours. Uh, and this is good news for those of us who have struggled. Uh, Jesus, just his encouragement to us in this is that if we are faithful in little things, we will be faithful in the great ones too. And neurologists are discovering this too, that when you start with a small, tiny habit, that habit can grow over time. It does something in our brains where it lowers the perceived resistance. Um, and BJ Fogg is a researcher at Stanford University. See, I just can't help myself. <laughs> um, he's a researcher who um, realized that this is kind of the way our brains work. Start tiny. And he did this with the, the habit of flossing. Um, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, right, because this is kind of embarrassing, but we just were at the dentist uh, with my kids, and he asked them, are you guys flossing your teeth? And I'm like, sir, it's a good day if I can get them to brush their teeth, <laughs> let alone floss at this age. Um, but what BJ Fogg discovered was that if, if he had a sampling group of students and they wanted to start flossing their teeth, uh, his small, tiny habit for them was, okay, every night after you brush your teeth, floss one tooth. And you might say, one tooth, what about the others? <laughs> like, are they just going to have cavities? He's like, no, just floss one tooth. Because when we look at a new habit, our brain has this perceived strain of effort, like, oh, it's going to be so hard to floss. I don't really want to. I'm just going to wait. But when you say, no, just floss one tooth, it's like, well, one tooth. 
I can floss one tooth. That's not that hard, right? Uh, and, and chances are, when you're there flossing one tooth, you're like, I'm here already. I might as well just floss a few more. Um, and, and you laugh because you know it's true. Uh, our God designed our brains to start small. And we can carry this over into our Bible habits as well. Um, and so th- this chart shows from Crossway, it shows how much time it takes to read the Testaments in the Bible. And in just six minutes a day, you could read through the entire New Testament in a year. Twice. Six minutes. Do we have six minutes? We'll talk about where to find those six minutes later. But this is so encouraging to me that we can start small. So what does this look like? For example, uh, maybe you make it your goal to take those six minutes to read the, a, a portion of the New Testament, however much you can get through in six minutes, and make it your goal to underline one verse. I'm just going to underline one verse, just one verse that stands out to me that I can take with me throughout my day to meditate on it. Or maybe your goal is to, um, you want to spend some time with God before the kids wake up. And so what I used to do is set my alarm like an hour and a half earlier so I could be with Jesus and guess who would snooze her alarm? (laughs) Yes, that would be me. Um, And during COVID, one of the things that I tried was actually just setting my alarm five minutes earlier, just five minutes. And after a week or two, I was like, oh, I can do 10 minutes. So I I bumped my alarm 10 minutes earlier. And over the course of a few weeks, I got to the point where I could wake up an hour and a half earlier, not because I had to, not because it was this drudgery, but because I'd rediscovered the joy of spending time with Jesus and because I started small. Another thing we can do is write a one-sentence prayer or fast from one meal each week. Um, or maybe you're reading through, <laughs> reading through for six minutes your New Testament passage. Um, ask the one question, what's one thing I learn about God here? Now, this is kind of counterintuitive, probably, from what you've heard from a lot of Bible teachers, which is like, if a little bit of a good thing is good, then a lot of a good thing is better, and we kind of get guilt-tripped into thinking we're not doing enough. Uh, But like I said in that video, Jesus is after our hearts. It's not the checklist. And so spend time with Jesus every day, but start small. So I have a few... um, comments from some friends online, some readers. Uh, we, like I said, we've been doing this for almost eight years. Uh, so one friend was leaving the Bible open on the counter, just so like as she walked by, that was her tiny habit. I'm just going to leave it open. And every time I walk by, I'm going to pause. And I'm going to read one verse. Um, another friend would write memory verses on the mirror um, so that she could like meditate on it. Um, And another one has slowly, like I said, been waking up five minutes by five minutes so that she can spend more time with Jesus. So um, at your table, you should have this handout that um, is kind of like your cheat sheet. I feel like we're in school, so might as well give you a cheat sheet if we're going to get all geeky here. Um, And that has step one, make your habit tiny. And if you turn to the second page, there'll be a little square in the bottom. And this is where I encourage you, um, even just now, take 30 seconds and write down 
what is the spiritual habit that you would like to cultivate in your life this fall? And how can you make it small? What's one small, tiny habit that you can start? So I'll give you about 30 seconds to jot that down before we move on. Okay, so going back to our Deuteronomy passage, right, there's this invitation to talk about God's law when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, um, basically anytime, anywhere. Uh, But here's some of the genius um, of God in scripture, right? He's our creator. He knows how he created us, and he created us with brains that form habits when we link a new habit to something we're already doing. Again, researchers have discovered this, um, and it's called the Peloton Principle, which is, um, I have a picture here of uh, cyclists. I think it's, they're in the Tour de France. Um, and the Peloton Principle, we know it now for like the stationary bikes that were spiked in sales during COVID, right? But the term actually comes from um, this idea of a group or pack of riders who save energy by riding behind other riders. This is called drafting or slipstreaming. And the reduction in drag is dramatic. It can be reduced to as little as 5 to 10%, which means 90 to 95% easier riding. So that's why you see cyclists <laughs> doing, this, doing this when they're cycling in a competition, is because the first one has the most drag or resistance. And then the ones who are riding behind him have an easier time slipstreaming behind him. Um, This is something very similar that happens in our brains. I'm not going to get geeky, I promise. But (laughs) basically, when you want to start a new habit, if you link it to something you're already doing, something that's automatic, something that just you do without thinking, then it it creates this peloton principle. It's also called the domino effect. You, You get one habit started, then the other ones kind of fall into place. So what does this look like? Um, In my own life, I shared with you kind of that frustration of being a mom and feeling like I don't have time to read my Bible. Um, There was a season when one of our children did not sleep through the night for almost four years. So this mama was not waking up early. (laughs) I was trying to get every minute of sleep that I could. Um, And I realized, you know what? I thought that God asked me to spend time alone with him, but that's not really here. That's how we've interpreted it over time. When you look at scripture, so much of God's invitations are communal. We are to read scripture in community. We are to pray in community. We are to worship in community. We are to, um, I think Paul says to Timothy, like, don't give up the public reading of scripture. (laughs) Like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, And so in that season of early motherhood, I thought, okay, what is a habit that I do every day that I know I'm not going to skip that I could link my Bible reading to? And for me, because I'm a foodie, that was breakfast. I love breakfast. Obviously, I kind of gave this away with the Bible and breakfast book description. But in that season, I was like, I know I'm going to eat my breakfast. And so I'm going to put my Bible out when I eat breakfast. And I'm going to read it out loud with my children. Whether they pay attention or not. Whether we get through one verse 
or one chapter, which I think I can count on one hand the number of times we got through a chapter. Uh, but I started this habit of Bible and breakfast. And in 27, 2016, 2017, I shared about it with my readers online. I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm starting a new habit of Bible and breakfast. I'm linking my tiny habit to something I'm already doing. Uh, and I would love for you to join. And I was so surprised when we had over a thousand women sign up to do Bible and breakfast in October of 2016. 31 days of Bible and breakfast. Um, and, and the testimonies that came out of that, of women's renewed hunger for God's word, of saying, you know, I thought I wasn't consistent, but it turns out I just, I, I wasn't linking it to something that I was going to do all the time. Um, and, and lifelong habits of being in God's word that started with Bible and breakfast. And so that, that's a picture of one of the days. Um, and that granola recipe is actually in the book. It's one of our favorites <laughs> in our house. Um, another example of linking your tiny habit to an established habit you're already doing is to listen to the audio Bible while you're meal prepping or listen to the Prayers of Rest podcast um, while, while you're meal prepping or when you go to bed if you have trouble falling asleep. Uh, maybe listen to scripture as you try to fall asleep. Listen to prayers. Um, Another thing that we did in our house was we, I, I w was studying the armor of God, and I took a season to pray through the armor of God while I was potty training Theo. Anyone who's potty trained can tell you a lot of time sitting there with a potty. And so I would give Theo something to snack on and something to drink and his own little book, and then I would be over there with my book and um, the, the study I was doing in, in the Bible. And in that season, that's all I could do. And for a long time, I thought, God, are you disappointed with me? I feel like it's not enough. Like when I compare this to what I used to do as a teenager, it just does not measure up. And um, in God's kindness, he sent an older mom who shared this with me. She said, Ashrita, I was in your season. And know that another season will come called Empty Nester. And you will go back to having a lot of time. But in this season, what encouraged me when I was there and what I'm encouraging you with is um, the widow's might. That some came to the temple and out of their riches they gave much. And a widow came and out of her little she gave everything. And Jesus said that woman has given more because out of her little she gave it all to me. And so I want to encourage you, if you are in a season where you feel like, Asherita, this tiny habit of five minutes might not be short term. That might be all I get for the next 10 years. If it is all you have and you give it all to Jesus, he will bless it. He will multiply it. The Jesus who took the five loaves and the two fish and multiplied it to feed a multitude. How will he not take your five minutes and multiply it to feed your soul? That is the Jesus who invites us to rest in him, to remain with him, to abide with him, and he promises to produce fruit in us. And so I hope that's as encouraging to you as it was to me. Another way to link your tiny habit to an established habit, um, and this is something that I started a while ago, was I realized I wanted to memorize more scripture. But every time I picked up my phone, I was going to Instagram. Anyone else? Maybe not Instagram, maybe Facebook, maybe it's something else, maybe you're texting friends. Um, 
But one thing I did is I replaced on my phone screen where the Instagram app icon was, I put a Bible memory app. And so my thumb would automatically go to the Instagram app and tap the Bible memory app instead. I mean, talk about habits. Um, and so that was something I did. Okay, the first time I pick up my phone, instead of going on Instagram, I'm going to take two minutes to memorize the passage that I'm working on. Um, and so right now, when I, when I was with Theo, another way I linked it up, um, when I was breastfeeding Theo, long, oh, again, a lot of time feeding a baby, um, I committed to God that I would fast from social media during those feeding sessions and work on memorizing John 1. And I memorized John 1, verses 1 to 18, which is what we were studying with our women's ministry that season, uh, in two weeks. I have a bad memory, (laughs) okay? If you would have told me five months before that that I would memorize a large chunk of scripture, I would tell you, like, yeah, maybe when I was a kid. But it's amazing what happens, again, how God created our brains. When we start small, I was like, okay, when I'm feeding my son, I have my phone in my hand, I'm going to work on memorizing this. I linked it to that moment that I knew would happen, multiplied over time and volume. Uh, That word, four years later, is still hidden in my heart, and it's so precious to me because those were the verses that I spoke over my son day after day after day. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. I could keep going on and on, but what a gift we have that God has wired our brains to be able to change in different seasons so that we can enjoy him in creative ways in different times of life. And so there, um, one thing that we created for our readers in our community are these scripture lock screens. Uh, another way to kind of use that phone habit is, you know, when you pull up your phone, just pause and say the verse. <laughs> Remind yourself of truth. Um, and those, I had a QR code up there. I think the front row can scan it, <laughs> um, and it doesn't work for the rest of you. But if you would like to download these lock screens, they're available for free. We have the scan QR code at the book table in the back. All you have to do is pull out your phone, pull up the camera app, and scan the QR code, and we'll help you get those downloaded. Um, But that's one of my gifts to you to help make this practical is um, to put scripture on your phone. I mean, we pick up our phones, I think, on average somewhere between 70 and 90 times a day. Uh, Imagine even just half those times reminding yourself of God's truth. So some other things that um, our reader community has done is um, listening to the audio Bible while walking the dog or during midnight feedings, um, praying for the kids while brushing teeth, memorizing one verse in the car pickup line, um, listening to the Prayers of Rest app on their commute. Um, And I keep saying the Prayers of Rest um, podcast, not app, um, because that has been so transformational in my own life is to take time and to just pause and become aware of God's presence in my life in whatever's happening in that moment. Um, And we have just heard tremendous stories from listeners who have followed along with Prayers of Rest with a podcast 
the way that God met them with just the right word at just the right time, uh, but they had linked it to something that they were already doing. Okay, so let's get practical. In your handout, um, what is something you will link your tiny habit to? Um, Whatever it is that you want to start this new spiritual habit this fall, what's something you're already doing that you can link it together so you can be consistent? So again, take a few moments to do that, um, and then we'll move on to number three. All right, so I hope you have that down. So step number one is, help me out here. Make it tiny. Okay, step number two is link it to something you're already doing. Step three is celebrate your wins. Celebrate growth. Um, And we see that Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. Um, He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Pause on that for a moment. Remember our John 15 passage, remain in me, you will bear fruit. Yeah, this is not our own effort. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but really God who makes things grow. You see, God uses different people in our lives to help us grow. He uses books and sermons and radio programs and emails and all different kinds of things to draw us closer to himself. But he is the one who causes the growth in our life. And it is his delight and his pleasure and his joy to see us grow. But we're not really good about celebrating that growth. We feel a little self-conscious, to be honest. So take, for example, if I want to memorize um, a a passage of scripture. Right now I'm working on the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest passage I've ever attempted. And I've been stuck on the Beatitudes for six months. (laughs) Uh, It has been a challenge for me. Um, But I look at something like that, and if I go, like, say I wasn't memorizing at all, and then I make it my tiny habit, I link it to something I'm going to do, and... um, Say I, memori- I I work on the memory verse maybe two days of that following week. What do you think is going through my mind? I'm such a failure. Man, two days out of seven, that's all I can do? God must be so disappointed. It's not even worth trying. And we beat ourselves up over what we haven't done. And instead... <laughs> We could look at it and say, hey, two days. Last week it was zero. Now it's two. (laughs) We're on the up and up here. (laughs) Next week it could be three. And after that it could be four. Um, What happens in our brains, again, neuroscientists have discovered this, is that when we celebrate progress, when we celebrate growth, it releases dopamine in our brains, which is that feel-good hormone that you get when you eat your ice cream at night. right? That trigger of like, oh, this is really good. We should do this again. (laughs) Uh, That same endorphins, the dopamine, that is what's released when we celebrate something. And so when we look at, at that week and we say, okay, 
I wish it was seven, but it's two. That's progress. God, thank you that those two times, that was your spirit working in me, that I got to memorize those two days of the week. God, I praise you. Thank you. Your spirit is at work. I am going to trust. Remember our verse from last week, Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So God, I praise you. Thank you for that. Do you know what happens in our brains? We're going to go into the next week with a spirit of victory and saying, yes, okay, what a joy it is to spend time memorizing scripture. On the flip side, when we beat ourselves up, it releases serotonin in our brains, which is that stress hormone. It's the thing that tells our brains, this is not a good idea. (laughs) Let's not do this again. And so we defeat the habit before it's even started. So that's kind of some of the reason why um, celebrating growth is so important. We see this in scripture in Psalm 126. Uh, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion's, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Do you see that link of joy? It is all over scripture. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Our God is a God of joy. And so he invites us to spend time with him for our enjoyment and delight, and because he delights in us as well. So we celebrate growth when we see that spiritual habit growing over time. I'm going to give you one more brain science chart, and then I promise I'm done. (laughs) This is from uh, researcher Charles Duhigg, um, and it's a very oversimplified chart. But basically, when we form a new habit or routine, and then we reward ourselves with that, we celebrate that, we uh, release that feel-good hormone in our brain, then that becomes a cue for us to say, oh, yeah, I want to do that again. Memorizing scripture? Yes, that's good, that's rewarding. Prayer? Reading the Bible? God, you're forming a hunger and a thirst in me for you. I want more of that. And so that becomes our cue. And when we see that cue, which is how we link that habit, then we're going to go back into the routine. We're going to go back into what we said we're going to do. So um, you link your tiny habit to something you're already doing, and then you reward yourself somehow. Celebrate that growth. Now, this will be different for different people, what it looks like. Um, But some examples of this, when I labor... (laughs) over scripture um, to write a book, I will have a coffee shop celebration. Uh, And I'm sure I've run into some of you here at Artisan. (laughs) That is my chosen coffee shop to celebrate. Um, When I write a new email to send out to readers, I will most likely be at the coffee shop because I'm celebrating with Jesus. We're doing this. This is great. I'm praising you for what you've done. Um, Maybe you celebrate with praise and worship. And, and take that passage from Psalm 126 and say, God, I praise you. I thought that, that I wouldn't be able to read scripture, but you've made me consistent for 30 days. You are doing a good work in me, God. I, I thank you for that. 
maybe you're going to journal what you're learning. Maybe you're a type A sister uh, and you keep a daily habit tracker and you mark off every day that you meet with Jesus in your tiny habit. And, and that just makes your heart rejoice when you see those little tallies line up. I mean, I'm not that way, but I know some of you are, right? Where are my type A sisters at? Yeah, there's a few of you, right? And so th- that's good. That's good. You're celebrating that growth. It can be something as simple as a happy dance. Um, Again, there's brain science to back this up. But if you reach a milestone with your habit, if you memorized a verse, I'm talking about one verse, and it's been years since you've memorized any scripture, and you work to memorize one verse, do a happy dance with Jesus. Say, this is awesome. And like move your body in a way that worships him. I have no dance moves and I will not insult you with them. But some of you are wired that way. Okay. Maybe you text a friend. Maybe it's a physical reward like a mug. Um, That's another thing I like to do is uh, collect mugs, much to my husband's chagrin. Uh, (laughs) But there are mugs that are connected to milestones in my spiritual life. And when I open the cupboard, those mugs are like altars. They are stones of remembrance to me. Oh, this mug is when we did this together, Jesus. Oh, that mug is from that season. And so this is one of the ways that I celebrate growth in my life. Um, Something else, maybe you get a journaling Bible. Maybe you've been wanting to invest in another Bible that you can write your notes in or that maybe you're the coloring type. I'm not. Uh, But God bless you sisters who do that. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you get Bible highlighters or a ticket to a conference or a concert. Whatever it is that makes you light up, consider celebrating growth in your life with Jesus. Okay, so we make it tiny, we link it up. I'm going to throw in one more bonus, and then I'll let let you write that down in your notes. So my bonus tip is to make it fun. Now, I've been alluding to this throughout our time together tonight, uh, but in Psalm 1611, David says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Path of life, joy, pleasure, that is God's invitation to us. And this is not drudgery. This is not legalism. This is not box checking. This is a relationship of joy. And so one quote, it's not a chart, so I won't bore you with the chart, but James Clear in his book Atomic Habits talk about how habits are dopamine-driven feedback loops. So every behavior that's highly habit-forming will also have high levels of dopamine. So if you're having fun while you're spending time with Jesus, you're going to be doing it more. And this is not cheating. For a while, I felt like I'm cheating. I should just want to spend time with Jesus for the joy of being with Jesus, and and that's true. But also, we serve a creative God who created us in creative ways. And so what makes me come alive might be different than what makes you come alive or you come alive, because we're all different, and we can celebrate that. 
We don't have to compare our quiet time with one another. We don't have to say, oh, yours is longer than mine, and so you're more spiritual or you're better than me. Jesus invites each of us to come to him, and there is joy in discovering the creative ways that we can do that. So a few quick examples here. If you are uh, someone who is scholarly and geeky and intellectual like I am, you might geek out on something like the Bible Project videos. Um, I have so enjoyed these videos. They've helped me make connections that I never have before, even though I spent my whole life in the church. And so maybe check out those Bible, Bible Project videos. If you're a visual learner, that might help you as well. Grab some uh, coloring pencils, some markers, uh, if you're a visual learner. One thing that I've done in my Bible is there are different, I have a little code here at the back. I use different colors for different things that I'm studying. And so for me, yellow is God's character. Uh, pink is joy or blessing because I've been studying that. Purple is um, who God calls us to be. Uh, green is an invitation or a command that he offers. And so as I go through scripture, that's one of the things I've done is I've underlined verses in different colors because I only draw stick figures. <laughs> so you won't find art in my Bible, uh, but that helps me pay attention as I'm reading. Maybe you are a kinesthetic learner. Um, and I want to tell you, crafts are not just for kids. You can make a craft as an adult, and it can be a time of worship. It can be a beautiful thing to the Lord. And so one more resource I want to offer you is um, a quiz that I've developed based on Gary Thomas's book, Sacred Pathways, um, that will help you discover your unique, creative worship personality type, the way that God created you to connect with him. And it will give you some creative ways, um, some creative habits, maybe to consider this fall. Um, it is that quiz up there. Again, there's a QR code. If in, you're in one of the front rows, you can scan it. If not, we have it in the back at the book table. Um, it's like a two-minute quiz, and that might be helpful to you as well. So what I want to do now is give you, again, another like 30 seconds to write down how are you going to celebrate growth in your habit and add also how you're going to make it fun. Um, and then we have one more thing as we wrap up. Okay, so before we close tonight, one thing that I would invite you and encourage you to do, but I'm not going to boss you to do it, um, is to pair up with someone at your table. Uh, there is so much power in encouragement and accountability. And so I want to invite you to partner with someone at your table, um, exchange phone numbers if you don't have each other's number already, and then commit to check in with each other over the next 31 days. Pray for one another um, and, and share what habit uh, you're working toward and how you're going to celebrate together at the end of the month, maybe the end of August, um, how you're going to celebrate that growth. So I'm going to give you just a minute or two to pair up with each other, share your habit, uh, exchange numbers, and then I will pray for us and pray us out. <laughs>